times, baby Love me twice today You're listening to Grace Geltman and Weld on The Hammer Factor. Take it away, boys. Thank you for listening to this 57th episode of The Hammer Factor. This episode is brought to you by 8 Weeks Out Training Program. If you're going to do any of the fall races this year or you want to get better at kayaking, period, we'll get tips and beta from some of the world's best make it into a concise training plan, and we'll all reach the finish line faster. Sign up for the eight weeks out training plan on the homepage of hammerfactor.com. You guys ready? Yeah. All right, my name is John Grace, show producer here at the Hammer Factor, and I'd like to introduce my distinguished co-host, co-owner of Immersion Research, John Weld, and policy director for the Outdoor Alliance, Lewis Geltman. We got a packed show today. We could probably call this the Waterfall Symposium Show. Our dialogue talking about um, Bryn Orton's crash off of Alexandria Falls definitely resonated with our listeners. Let's and- be careful of that word crash. I don't think that's the right term. But I think Bren would argue with that. Well, I mean, Bren may, Bren, <laughs> may argue with that, but uh, we'll get to his email here in a little bit. But first, I want to touch on Paddle Sports Retailer Show. John, we just saw you out there. Uh, was hanging out in the booth. What did you think of the show? What did you see there? Give me your vibe as a uh, manufacturer. It was fine. How's that? It was fine. Did you guys see? Did you? You didn't get a chance to see that vagabond boat, did you? No, you just told me about it a bit ago, and I'm really shocked and disappointed that I missed that. Oh, was that was that the guys from South Africa? Yeah, yeah, that's Sellers' new new company. So check this out. So you know how we were talking about doing some like carbon outfitting and just that kind of thing. So I show up. He's got this boat. And I don't know what you call this. I, I call it in foam injected. But anyway, it's molded. It's rotomolded like a normal kayak. And then they inject, when it gets to a certain temperature, they inject this foam inside. So it's much thinner plastic, but then it's got this rigid foam in there. <laughs> and then he's got all carbon outfitting inside the boat. And the full-size creaker, nine-foot creaker, whatever it is, I didn't look at the. I was looking more at how it was built than anything else. Forty-two pounds. Pretty rigid. Super rigid, like super rigid. So, it had a it had a steel rail along the bottom, and then everything mm-hmm. else was made out of was carbon. It had like this carbon skeleton frame. Anyway. I thought it was cool. How did the seat look? Did the seat have an adjustable backband in it, or is it something completely different? Nope. The seat had a, a adjustable backband in it. How much does it cost, and what's the warranty? Uh, the it's got a normal warranty, and it's going to be like twelve hundred bucks or something. Hmm. So, I mean, there wasn't one made. It was just a prototype that I was looking at. But I was like, it was pretty interesting the way it was like a skeleton of outfitting of carbon outfitting around that rail at the bottom. I got some pictures. I'll post the pictures up on the website in the show notes. I don't, this is, 
This is also kind of relevant because we were talking about fluid in this company last episode. Yep. And uh, who, who wrote it? Rod Hunter wrote in. I guess he's a sales rep for for uh, fluid in the U.S. But he mentioned that fluid is still indeed active with no new whitewater boats, but that they uh, they're making this new deal. So anyway, how do we get people to start sending us things like this to test or whatever? Are we there yet? Yeah, I feel like we should be there now. Oh, dude, we're totally. I mean, yeah. What better venue to have your boat discussed for better or for worse? I mean, that might be kind of the. It's a bold. It's a bold decision. You have to have some real confidence in your product to send it off to such veteran poo-pooers as <laughs> the three of us. Right. <laughs> it better look a lot like a party brat or a uh, or a um, ripper or an OG tuna. Yeah. There was definitely a lot of a lot of hammer factor love there at the Paddle Sports Retailer Show. I thought that was cool. Literally every store I met, almost, almost without exception, wanted to know about the talk. Wanted to discuss the hammer factor. And to a point at which I'd be like, okay, yeah, uh, that's right. We don't really discuss rants and raves ahead of time to the last second. We may make it up. Uh, can we please talk about the 2019 line now? <laughs> are, you, are you sitting in like a vacant warehouse world? It's just Why? like, it sounds like Echo City. Does it? I'm not getting that. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I got to. Cool story from Jen out at CKS about uh, the Weld Sups promo code. I figured, I think I shared this with you, Weld, but uh, I need to share this with Lewis. So I was kind of going around to the people who have advertised on the Hammer Factor. And I was like, so did you, you know, have any luck with your ad, you know, whatever. And she's like, well, she's like, no sooner than the show came out, the one where we did the Weld Sups promo code, all of a sudden the phone started ringing and people were like, People were like, uh, I'm here on the website, you know, I'm trying to order this, but my promo code's not working. And she's like, what promo code? And then, the, you know, the the dude on the line, the first dude's like, Weld Sups. And she's like, oh, I really have to enter that in the system. So, so like, they didn't even enter it in the system. They didn't think it was going to work. So that made me feel good. There we go. <clears throat> Um, really, really delivering on people's advertising dollars here. I mean, you know, they've done a ton of promo codes and they've never worked, so they don't even put them in the system anymore. But they had to actually input this one, so that's something. So should we get should we get back to the paddle sports show for a second, Jake? So I can give you a more serious answer. Yeah. All right, paddle sports show. You know, we've we've left out the retailer. We have our own show, paddle sports show. It was in Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, and it meant that the show uh, pretty much drew exclusive, exclusively from paddle sports retailers, um, which I suppose is fine. Um, you know, uh, it, we saw pretty much whatever we needed to see in two days. Um, same appointment. I mean, the same, you know, once the store was there, it's, it, it might as well have been like we were out to retailer, but um, it's just a much smaller event. The, the, I guess the big standout feature of this trade show was the Oklahoma artificial course, right? Which Grace, you were there. I mean, this was a real surprise to be sure, right? Oh yeah. I've heard good things. Yeah. You know I what? showed a blade like at seven. I was definitely poo pooing it. I was like, oh God. And so I was busy doing stuff at the show and they had a they had a demo day before the show opened on Monday. And I kind of poo pooed it and was vacuuming our booth and stuff finally around seven o'clock i wandered over there and i was like holy cow this is actually really really cool 
it was kind of a free-for-all. I mean, there was just boats and paddles and spray skirts everywhere, and people were just grabbing gear and paddling. Um, I think that definitely had its charm. You know, there was no, like, waivers or lines or, you know, dog, you know, a, a rigmarole. You could just grab something and go paddle. Uh, <laughs> and it was, it was pretty, I'm not sure how sustainable that is, but it was really fun. I mean, that's the first time Whitewater, there's been a, a true Whitewater course at any of the trade shows. Right. Is that correct? I, I mean, I mean, outdoor retailer would have a swimming pool at, in the middle of the, you know, the convention center, but that's not, you know. And is all the, is all the, the trade show goings on, like walking distance to the course or like it's at the course? Uh, it was like a mile away. You could conceivably walk there, but I think most people were driving. It's close enough, though. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I think the only thing I would suggest to everyone in the paddle sports retailer, paddle sports industry who's listening is that thing should have been open every night of the show. The show, the show. I mean, they had the show go on for three days. Uh, It didn't need to be open for three days. I don't know who arranged that. Literally, everybody left after day two especially before, you know, Labor Day weekend. On day three, there was nothing going on. If you want to have the show for three days again next year, close down the show at two in the afternoon and just have people go over the over the whitewater course, you know? Yeah, but I think it should be like, I mean, because they got the bar there and they had music going on. Like, that should be like every night, you know? And it yeah. was shut down. I mean, they got the biggest, like, paddling crowd they could ever have in that city. It seems like they'd open it up. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think the organizers of the show were were definitely saying using the whitewater the the whitewater course as like a showcase and 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 how well this pad what a good idea the paddle sports show is and I think there's probably a lot of people out there who would agree that that's that was a that's a good argument to make I, I'm not so sure I mean I think it was a, it was an awesome course it was a lot of fun does it outweigh not being out to retailer in my opinion no I don't think so yeah. Well, Chris, what was your what was your vibe having gone to both shows this year? Oh man, um, you could tell how small the paddle sports industry was when it was. Uh, you didn't have all the other parts of the outdoor retailer show going on. It was much more tame, but I think it was, I mean, effective for business. I feel like the Hammer Factor needs to go in there and like put a fun center. Like right in the middle of it or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some sort of... Like a like a hot dog eating contest or something? <laughs> yeah, something. But, I mean, I thought it was cool. It was small and the white water was cool. I, I, I'm kind of like Weld. I think I wish it would somehow work where it was all one big show. But this was affordable and, uh, you know, I, the white water aspect was rad. So, How many exhibitors were there? That's a good question. I think there was some speculation floating around. There was actually more people from the manufacturing side than there were retailers. I would agree. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, which, I don't know. Well, you know, I think if they can get more retailers to that show, it'll be fun. You know, first year, it's hard. You know, it's first year, new location. You know, everybody's learning. So, overall, I thought it was cool. How many whitewater or how many paddle sports specific retailers do you think there are in the country at this point? Well, there were oh, retailers. Yeah. With flat water and everything. Like how many places in the country could you go in and buy like a canoe or like a canoe? I don't know. Whatever. How about a paddleboard? You, you, you pick the metric. 
I saw they were towing paddle boards at Canadian Tire when I was up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on here. We have uh, we have some special guests um, we have coming on the show today. We're going to have Brent Orton come on to explain everything that happened up at Alexandria Falls and Tyler Bratt as well, waterfall world record holder, to give us some insight into that. Before we move into that, we've got some listener mail here. Man, do we want to talk about this land and water conservation fund real quick, Lewis? Yeah, I mean, I think we should share the exciting news that John Grace is now a lobbyist, or soon to be a lobbyist. Dude, DC's never going to be the same. I'm going, like, this could be a serious career change for me. I mean, I don't know how it all works, but I'm going in there and I'm studied up and, you know, I'm going to go in and speak. So, what is the Land and Water Conservation Fund, Lewis? You know more than I do. Yeah, this is the last time I'm doing this, and from here on out, it's going to be you. Okay. But <laughs> the Land and Water Conservation Fund is a uh, 50-year-old program that takes a portion of the revenue from offshore oil and gas drilling, like on the Outer Continental Shelf, and directs it towards recreation and conservation projects. And about half the money goes to the states and about half the money goes to uh federal programs and... grace is working getting like a quarter of that money going to him <laughs> <laughs> sorry well it's meant to be nine million dollars <laughs> a year so if we could steer like one percent of it or so to the hammer factor that would be well would i'm be def- a great success i'm definitely want to i'm gonna definitely gonna see what i can do i don't want to go down the full manafort road you know i'm not looking to quite jump that deep right now but Hey, if you see me in some foreign country behind some foreign leader, like in a suit, and they're like, "What's Grace doing there?" You know, now you'll know. Sean, <laughs> Jack Abramoff, Grace. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited. I'm gonna be in D.C. You know, rubbing elbows. I'm gonna get a Mitch McConnell autograph somehow. I'm gonna work that out. That's one of my goals. But are you gonna be there, Lewis? I'm gonna be in D.C. that week. I'm not doing your meetings, but. I'm going to take you guys all out to drinks. We'll do the full Outdoor Alliance Hooters experience that that Weld has always alluded to. (laughs) (laughs) Should we we finish our our, half-assed explication of the Land and Water Conservation Fund or just move on, Grace? No, 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 no. Let's let's move on. I mean, no, no, no. Let's talk about it. I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, it actually is a really important program. It funds a ton of uh, river access points. Like, for example, BZ Corner here on the White Salmon. You know, to hear the guys who've been here for a long time talk about it, that used to be some drunk guy's property, and you had to pay him five bucks to walk down to the river. And when he, you know, passed on or decided he was ready to sell his property, there's this pot of money, the Land Water Conservation Fund, that was able to acquire this, you know, small parcel. It's just, you know, basically a parking lot and a trail down to the river. But, you know, this money is there to acquire that piece of land, turn it into a public access point, And, you know, that enables access to this, you know, huge river resource, like a ton of the land on around the Gali and New, I think, was acquired with LWCF money. It's super important program it expired three years ago and it's got a short-term reauthorization after way more wrangling than there should be and it needs to be renewed again by the end of september it's a program that has a ton of bipartisan support but has had a few 
notable, powerful uh, opponents who have sort of held up its reauthorization when that really shouldn't be an issue. But I've, I've heard some good murmurings about goings on with some of those problematic members of Congress in the last week or two. And I'm pretty hopeful that John Grace's presence in, in DC next week is going to push this over the line. Dude, rest assured, I'm coming home with a paycheck. And if you want to write to your member of Congress, go to Apple. And there's information on LWCF reauthorization. I think we actually sent out an action alert like today or yesterday. So you might even have something in your inbox from us about this. It, uh, it's a good time to, to drop your member of Congress a line and say something helpful. Dude, this is the most no-brainer piece of legislation to me. I can't, like, I can't understand how it's even an issue. I mean, it, it affects everybody. It's good for loggers. It's good for hikers. It's good for fishermen. It's good for, it doesn't take any tax dollars. It's the weirdest thing that it's being held up. So, anyway, I'll fix it. Um, <laughs> right, let's, get, let's get into the show here, guys, before we get too off topic we've got Bryn and Tyler um, waiting here but before we get into that we've got some listener mail uh, Noria was a great interview last week there was some great insight there I really feel like I messed up the interview not knowing about that trip she just went on because there was a whole lot more I wanted to hear about that but we got a, a message here from Alin. Alin says, the Noria episode was most brilliant. Just wanted to say a huge thank you for only sharing on Spotlight on skill, not gen- gender. Truly an expression of elevated equality and respect. Way to be. I was talking about this with Kara, and she mentioned that Noria might be the best whitewater kayaker, period, right now. Just because of her credentials in slalom racing and what she's doing in whitewater. I mean, is there another paddler who's, who has that kind of depth of experience right now? I don't know. That could be very legit. Right? Galtman? I don't know if I could say the best, but she certainly has, in my eyes, one of, if not the most impressive resumes. Sure. I mean, you talk about Gerd or Annie Ole or Dane or any of these guys. What they're doing in whitewater is certainly impressive. But none of those guys are doing in slalom what she's doing or has. Yeah, done. I agree. I mean, I, she, I put her in the absolute upper echelon, regardless of gender, for sure. Definitely arguable. Um, this comes from Jim Clark. Jim says, jaw uh, dropping. The entire episode was great, but holy shit, the solo self-rescue story from Noria still has me shaking. Thank you for creating the stage to bring us that experience. Jim Clark from Tryon, North Carolina. Thank you, Jim. Um, one more on Noria. This comes from Alex Mandel. Thank you guys for airing, uh, airing Noria Newman Unfiltered. You have had a lot of great guests over the last year or so, but this was a special visit. So Yeah, she was great. <clears throat> um, there's, some, there's some good listeners. So I'm going to go ahead and get uh, – we're running a little behind here, as we always are, but this time it's not my fault. Um, can you go ahead and fill us in on the email that Bryn wrote us, John, and I'll go ahead and get Bryn and Tyler on. Right. So if you listen to the show, you know that last week or last episode we talked about Alexandra Falls and 
how uh, Brent Orton had just posted a video about his his experience out there. He had rolled up there with his crew of paddlers, and there's another crew of paddlers out there. And I guess there was five people all together that ran that waterfall that day. And Alexander Falls is it's a hundred footer. It's kind of a you know easy, slow moving current approach into a deep pool. Um, but out of the five, uh, one guy broke his leg, and Brent basically broke his face. Um, and then there was some debate. Uh, amongst us at the show here as to what exactly was going on there, whether this was a skill or a stunt or kayaking or what. Uh, in any case, Bren <clears throat> heard the show and he wrote in um, and it was basically a rebuttal of the idea that, you know, running waterfalls don't require skill, which I'm not sure if exa- we said exactly that, but maybe we discussed it sort of in general, but Anyway, he, he sent this rebuttal in, and it's quite long, but he made some good points. So we thought, well, we should have him come on and explain himself. Because, uh, I mean, as Geltman pointed out, definitely in his video, at least, there's a disconnect between what he said was going on and what actually happened. Um, and uh, I think it's definitely worth a further investigation. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I think so. I think you were the one that said there was no skill weld. Yeah, don't him. don't throw me under the bus on yeah, this. Yeah, don't let me. No, in but there you, but Lewis, you had mentioned at one point there was a disconnect between, you know, he had, he, he saying he had a good line, he'd approached the lip, and then the result was he's unconscious at the, the bottom of the rapid, right? Oh, T. Brot, I didn't know you were coming on today, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there was ever a reason to put a hammer factor on video, this would be it. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain. <laughs> I'm in such a better mood now. Welcome back. Good to, to be here. Good to be here, you guys. Hey, if this connection's a little shady, let me know, man. I can turn off the video and it might work better. But um, yeah, man, great to be here. Yeah. Good. Where are you? Welcome back. So I'm on a rally from uh, Montana out to Crescent City, there's a weather window that opened up to get the boat north, and I'm trying to get the my sailboat, the Wizard's Eye, up to the San Juan Islands for the 25-year Cavu uh, anniversary. So, um, yeah, man, so I'm on this kind of like epic rally right now. Dude started driving at 7 p.m., and I got to catch a shuttle at 4 p.m. out of uh, Medford over to Crescent City, so I'm just like, Rocking the rental, man. Cruising down the road. <laughs> can I ask you? Can I ask you a serious question? How? How? On a, like on a one to ten scale, how sick are you of that sailboat? <laughs> dude, <laughs> like a one or a two, maybe, bro. Like it's, dude. If I, if I had half the skills of that sailboat as I do in a kayak, man, that would have that trip would have been a lot better, bro. And, um, but yeah, no, it's. It, it's epic man it's it's awesome it's 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 incredible you know just the the power of the ocean is phenomenal and you know being a water lover and a kayaker you know it's like it's been epic to experience it man but man this thing has honestly been a little bit of a ball in a chain for me as far as like you know it takes me away from kayaking more than i want it to so um man i'm looking forward four more days and i can park that thing dude and uh it'd be done with it for a little bit you know have a boat in the san juan islands so Anybody that wants to come out, they're more than welcome. And then, um, yeah, man, I'm just, we're just stoked to park it and uh, get back in the little boat for a little bit. <laughs> well, I believe we got Bryn here on the connection as well. Can you hear us, Bryn? Yeah, dude. How's it going? How's right. everyone summers? All right, going good. What's up, bud? 
Uh, well, welcome back to the Hammer Factor, Bryn. You've been on the show before, and this and and. And, and what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about Bren's crash off of Alexandra Falls, uh, kind of what we talked about on the show last week, an email that came in, and I figured it would be no better to discuss this when, with the uh, person who actually crashed and someone who's ran that waterfall before and world record waterfall holder. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of introduces everything. So let's go back, and we're going to do a quick Q&A, Bren, Tell us what happened the day before your crash and what happened the day of your crash. Who was there and kind of just set the scene for us. Um, we, we probably should have checked first because I'm not the I don't have the best memory on, on that situation at the moment. But I mean, <laughs> still, I'm still like still remembering stuff randomly. But I mean, we went up there. We had our crew, which is like myself, Dane, Adrian and Caleb. Um, and we met up with another crew that are out there, which was Evermore and uh, Alec Voorhees. And then Shredwood was there as well. And they were all going to run it. And we got there late in the day on the first day. And we looked at it. The line looked really good. The waterfall looked great. Didn't look like there was a huge amount of danger at the bottom. And also Alec's little brother Hayden was there to do safety. So we could have run it that first day, but it just all felt a bit rushed. And we've been in the car for like 30 hours and everyone wanted to stretch first. So we decided to like... We would help them with media and safety and whatever else they needed, and then they'd help us the next day. So they ran it. Alec went first, had a great line. Evan went second, had a pretty good line. And then uh, Shredded went and, like, dude, it, it was crazy. He was a little bit further right than I would want to be, and his nose sort of got swallowed early, and he pitched, and he managed to correct it a little bit, but then he was just swallowed, and I couldn't see how he landed. And then, like, when he came out, his boat is all folded up, and he's just like, you know, give him the no good sign. So, and it turned out he broke his leg. It took us a while to get him out. So, you mean get him out of his boat or just extricate him out of the canyon? Yeah, dude. Just, just to, I mean, T. Brat knows, but it's like from river level to like standing up level is like pretty difficult. We have walkie talkies, but it was like, can we move him downstream? And then Edward is a big dude, you know? So, like, when we got him downstream, we had to carry him out of there, and that took a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a little bit tricky rescue, not awful, but like definitely took a little bit of time. Okay. And then the next day. And then, and then we, we went back, um, looked at the waterfall, made sure that we were happy with it. Everyone was happy. And then the next day we teed up and ran it and man, I, I'm a little bit, a little bit worried to talk about this cause I'm still fuzzy with some of these details and I still don't know the whole story you know I've been like I want to talk it through for boys but I also want to wait and see if my memory comes back of this but I'll, I'll tell you what I have but um we gear up we have the whole crew Hayden Hayden Voorhees goes down and sets safety again which is pretty um, to do safety at the bottom so shout out to Hayden for that but um we go and me and Adrian are going to go first, and Dane and Caleb are going to go second. And Adrian, this is all I have, but Adrian asked me if I mind if he goes first. And I was like, no, dude, no no stress, no worries, you do you. Uh, and then my mas- last memory of that day is I, I give Adrian a high five, and I'm like, sick, dude, have good lines, I'll see you at the bottom. And basically, dude, that's all I have, really. And so you didn't see anybody, you don't, re- you don't recall anybody else running it that day? I have I have nothing like me and Adrian were in the eddy up at the top I like 
I can't even remember him paddling away, really. Okay. <laughs> so weird. So, Tyler, you did you see the video of this run and what happened? Yeah, man. So I, I, I checked it out, man, Bren. That was, um, yeah, you, it was rad, man. The the video that you posted of that and, bro, the you know, congratulations on like the sickest line, you know, man. Like it's so gnarly that you got so messed up because you really had just like the dopest line off that waterfall, you know, man. It was like super, super impressive, you know, um, and. And, and it's just wild, you know, it's it's a really interesting thing for me because, you know, obviously waterfalls are, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger waterfalls are getting run more consistently. You know, I guess Palouse happened like over 10 years ago now. I think we ran Alexandria um, like two years before that. But, you know, we so Rush and I ran it, you know, had, you know, R Rush had a gnarly experience but didn't take like a huge impact. And then, you know, and then earlier this year, Aniel and Benny Marr ran it. Both had really, really clean lines and it was sweet. And then, um, and then, you know, and then the next group came up and to run it. And despite, you know, some good lines, particularly yours, dude, it was, it's just gnarly what that, what that waterfall ended up dishing out. And I just, and I think that more than anything, it just speaks to the variables of, of big waterfalls, you know, like, it, it really depends so much on what sort of a surge you get. You know, there's just you you're creating so many forces by falling from that sort of height that it you know, any little thing that go that happens at the bottom, you know, it just has these compounding effects that are that are just, you know, a, a huge gray area. We still don't fully understand them, you know, like. When I ran Alexandria, man, it was it was awesome. I ran that the, the far left line. I came up like big sort of like airplane turn off of the left side of the waterfall, fully free falling, disconnected, sitting up, feeling it out all the way down, hit, and my boat just kicked up and out of Alexandria, man, out of the bottom of it, dude, and then landed, you know, like upright. My skirt actually blew off of the boat, but I landed upright. And, you know, there wasn't even any water in my boat. I just I just paddled away from it, you know. Like, I've taken, like, you know, hits that have been, like, you know, five times as hard on Spirit before, dude. It's like I just ended up, you know, like with a fairly similar boat position as you did, only somehow, man, I just got, like, this, like, epic transition at the bottom of it that just, like, boosted me out and away from it. And, you know, it was, like, all, all happy days, you know. But, um yeah, bro. Again, dude. Congrats on an epic line, man. And I'm glad you're okay. And I'm I'm sorry you took such a ferocious hit, man. It's it's just gnarly. <laughs> Thanks, dude. And and mad respect for the first descent, dude. And as well, I mean, you guys were running that thing at roosting high flood stage where it looked way gnarlier. You know, like there's a huge difference for people that don't know in my eyes between the left line that um, Tyler and Rush ran and the middle line that has been run since. You know, like. For me, the left line is like I would be really, really, I would be way more on the fence of running it with if it was the left line that I had to choose from. But the middle line, I'm like, oh my god, that looks amazing. Um, but it's it's really cool, man, to hear you talk about the forces and and for you to you know you're happy with the boat angle because like in in my mind and you know in your impact of spirit because like in my mind what happened is exactly that you know I I hit I like. I landed pretty vertical, but as I landed, the boil exploded. I like grabbed the nose and threw the nose up, and then the curtain lands on me. And then just like all that force and all that speed I've built up, just all of a sudden the boat goes from dead vertical to dead flat, and just 
kaboom, I don't know who I am anymore. And so, did oh, you, do you think you hit your face on your boat or on your paddle? Do you know? I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I am. I'm 90% sure that it was my boat, just because I've never hit my face when I've tucked with my paddle, and I, I like, if I could remember, I'd be able to tell you for sure. But I guarantee you that on a waterfall that that tall, then I would I would have tucked really hard, and I just I just doubt that it would have been my paddle. But for me, I think it's I think it's the boat coming up. And looking at how my helmet broke and everything, I think that it, it was the boat and maybe the cockpit rim on the left-hand side that, that like shot up and hit the bottom of the helmet. Um, that's my theory, anyway. You look great, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that original video, dude. You were you look like uh, you're healing up good. So let me. I I don't want to step over John or Lewis or anybody else who wants to bring here so just interrupt me if you want to but Tyler you've ran a lot of big waterfalls the biggest ever but also in the course of that time of running waterfalls you've broke your back totally yep yep I did man yep okay of course yeah so yeah go ahead okay and then so Bryn you've run a lot of waterfalls and this time you had a big crash. And I think what happened on the last show and what we were getting at was that maybe there's a different, maybe there's what I was getting at anyway, and you guys can correct me if you're wrong here, but maybe is there like, is there something in gear or technique or a way to change this up? Is there something maybe we're not looking at that that can be changed to do this more consistently? And I can kind of cite some research that we found online, and I'll get into that here in a little bit. But, like, just off the top of your heads, like, do you think the way that we're running waterfalls right now is the way to do it? Um, well, yeah, go ahead, Bren. Man, I'll let you go ahead, dude. It's all, all yours. <laughs> okay, cool, man. So, so, man, we are in this realm of, you know, of, of a sport that's continuing to evolve on, on a fairly fast level, man. I do not think that we've protect that, that we have, you know, fully, you know, um, ex explored all of the, the different, you know, techniques or gear. I think that there's still so much to, to go in the progression of both techniques and gear for for running waterfalls and just like an understanding of waterfalls as as well you know and and it's just this crazy thing where we're in you know we're running waterfalls is a fairly you know extreme sport and it's and the only way that we're learning is through trial and error it's through brand going off of alexandra and and having a seemingly perfect line but getting totally messed up you know and and looking at the gear looking at the helmet like bren was saying like hi analyzing like exactly what it is that that went wrong with that but man i think that there's just so much more that's going to happen in the evolution of both technique and gear as as we go down the road and you know my my little bit my little piece to the puzzle in in all of that with with researching waterfalls with taking an accelerometer off of various waterfalls trying to measure g-force impact at the base of these at, at the base of these waterfalls is what, the biggest takeaway that we got from that is that there's just this huge unknown variable. You can run the same waterfall. Bren could run, go and run Alexandra, and uh, again, and almost, you know, almost 100% have a different outcome. You know, whether that outcome's better or worse, mostly better because Bren is just, you know, a badass that, you know, can run waterfalls super well. But 
the the variables that gray area that that's that's um in effect on at the impact of those waterfalls and obviously compounded by boat angle and body position and all of that stuff is um it's, it's just huge you know and so i think that as our understanding of you know of of gear and technique and then our understanding of just you know waterfalls themselves continue to progress man it's it's gonna it's gonna change dude and i don't know um you know if that's gonna allow us to necessarily run bigger waterfalls but i think that you're right john that it should allow for more consistency in positive outcomes while running waterfalls but I'm so looking I think at that was... just to, to play devil's advocate, though. I mean, you ran Palouse, what you said, ten years ago. Yeah, and nine years, years later, ago. we're still in the dark about how to run this hundred footer. You know, at, at this rate, we're not going to figure this out anytime soon. I mean, I would, I would say that the boys, and especially Tyler and those guys, have have like led the way fully in how to land the kayak off it. You know, and I, I feel like the technique, especially like for myself, I learned a lot from watching the old videos with the guys and how to run waterfalls and how, how important your head and your body position is. And, you know, T-Brat for me is one of the masters of just like riding down for as long as possible and not tucking until the last second, you know? And so for me, I think the technique is sort of there, but there's other things that we can do to ensure that it all goes right and, and to protect ourselves when it all goes wrong. So, you know, like for me, I separate it up into a bunch of areas. So it was like the technique and for myself, when I run a waterfall, I can, for myself, I, I can land it within a certain amount of degrees and feel pretty happy about it. However, if I know if I was to go dead vertical or less vertical, that I have more of a chance of going behind it or into a cave, which is up until this point has been my biggest fear. So I've, over the years, I've been learning how to the, I always joke about like 88 degrees vertical is a perfect landing uh, angle because you like, you would land like just up and you would like skip away and go in front of it even though you're landing vertical enough for it to not hurt so there's that side of things and then there's also the fact that you know like your body and all of that stuff so i work really hard on holding my breath and it, i can almost hold my breath for four minutes you know i, I like train really hard because i'm like the although sometimes you get away and it doesn't feel like a, a hit i'm sure some of you guys will know from like landing spirit sometimes you can do everything right but that boil hits you and it feels like you've been winded or you've been rugby tackled and so I train weight, calisthenics, and do all of that stuff. And then, and then my other thing is that it's it's 2018, you know. And I've been working with Palm on this and talking about like some of the trends that other people do and that I do. But I feel like there's a lot of potential for technology to change it, you know. And when I look at when I look at other uh, action sports, especially big wave surfing, that in when they when the blow up wetsuit became available to everyone big scary surf spots like Mavericks got so much more popular and even though they got popular from my insights from talking to people which this you know it's not scientifically based or um, anything like that it's just on what they've what they've seen but even though there's like double the amount of people there's not double the amount of accidents so I think I think there's huge scope within kayaking for technology to look after is better yeah I mean, I mean, maybe this is a simple question go ahead I'm sorry no, no worries, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get in some words before I before I have to go, boys. And I'm sorry for the uh, the junk show over here, man. My computer's at five percent. My timer's at three minutes before I have to hit the road again. But um, you know, there's there's this, um, there's there's also you know in the in the evolution, you know, it's like two steps forward, one step back as well, you know, in in this whole experimental, and it's like. What what gear of ours is is evolving in you know in a, in a negative way, man? Like, 
it's it, you know when I was running these waterfalls, I was running them in you know in a Nomad eight five, which is this you know which is in my mind this epic epic waterfall boat. You know, it doesn't have a ton of rocker, man. It's a really consistent. You know, just just smaller boat that's that's a lot more streamlined, you know. And now we're paddling these boats with just this epic rocker, you know. And dude, and they're incredible to paddle, you know, man. I mean, you're just like going over the top of everything, you know. And when you're bombing the little white, like Lewis, you know, like four and a half, five feet, dude, it's just like it's rad, you know. I mean, this opens up all these, you know, all of these epic windows. But like, when you know, does that rocker when you're running a hundred foot or hundred and fifty foot or two hundred? Like, when is that actually affecting your action? Maybe that had something to do with Brent absolutely smashing his face on the front of his boat. Maybe if he was in a boat with with a lot less bow rocker, you know, maybe that boat wouldn't have flown back and hit him in the face. You know, it's like. So, right. I mean, so did, like, didn't didn't Ed Lucero run that in an S six? I mean, when he ran it. Yeah. So so Ed Lucero first descended that thing in an S six, you know, and just I think with a with playboat, the waterfall, by the way, <laughs> man, have to become a part of the of the waterfall, man. Like it's like what, that's what went so well with Palouse, man. I was like immersed in that waterfall. I went down with the with the water, you know, and and then in and and then Alexander. Luckily, you know, I got that kick out, but. Brent and I had a, like a similar separation for the waterfall where we were actually, you know, out away from the waterfall when we landed and had a very, very similar line, you know, very, you know, similar boat angle, except, you know, except I, you know, ended up just like penciling a little bit more and shooting out and, and Brent's boat just, you know, stopped immediately and, and, you know, and, and kind of flew back in his face. Um, so I, you know, I, I wonder as well, you know, like what sort of like, you know, boat designs. I mean, you, you just, you know, you're going so fast, man. You have so much acting upon the boat, you know, like any little bit of, of variation there has, you know, huge compounding effects. And so, I, you know, Brent, I, I think you're right, man. I think there's huge steps in safety to be taken, you know, as far as, you know, being able to, you know, maybe have like a few breaths of air on you, you know, or, uh, or, or an inflatable, something that inflates, you know, that can like get you to the surface if, you know, in the case that you swim, but it's not like there all the time so that you can actually swim or go under holes or whatever, you know, there's like, you know, helmets, you know, full face helmets, bro, I think are like, you know, a, a super, super epic idea, man. Like maybe like even like a neck brace, a, a back brace, like they wear in, in, um, mountain biking, oh. you know, so that when that fling happens, when you hit the back of the boat, you know, you don't get totally rocked the other way. There's just like all of these like things that, you know, it, you know, I would be experimenting with right now, you know, if I was, you know, running, running huge waterfalls and hopefully, you know, I would love to get back to the point where I'm, you know, sending, you know, 70, 80, 90 footers, you know, I don't know how many hundred plus footers I have in me, but dude, I just think that there's like all of this stuff that we need to be experimenting with to, in, in order to push the evolution, you know, and so I would just say for everybody out there that's like sending it, you know, running big waterfalls, you know, like take all of the safety precautions, like don't be afraid to go out on the limb, you know, like create some of your own gear, look towards other sports, see what's working in other high impact sports and, you know, draw from that, man. Like there's, you know, like, you know, I, I imagine that Brent, if you were just like suited up with a lot more like impact gear on you know like you could have handled that that well you know maybe you would have been top heavy and gone over the fucking bars you know or something crazy you know but it's like i i just really think that there's you know there's a lot left to experiment with as far as you know gear and technique and then 
maybe we should look at some of the things that are starting to adversely affect, you know, these in, us on, on big waterfalls. And I'm sure, you know, people would argue the other way that maybe rocker helps a bunch, you know, but um, that's just one thing that stood out to my mind that's different between now and 12 years ago when we ran Alexandra, you know, it's just boat design itself. What do you think, Brent? Do you think the Mac now had a, had a negative effect when on the landing? Potentially, yeah, man. I was talking it through with Benny the other day as well about that because, you know, he loves the original tuna, but he wasn't that fired up on it for big waterfalls. Just like Tyler was saying, although those kayaks make um, make it an amazing journey down the river and everything, and in my mind, they make it easier, you know, they're easier to booth, they skip out faster over stuff and all of that, but... Um, they're incredible, but yeah, I think I think definitely modern day rocker in in the best creek boats around. They definitely play played that contributed towards it, you know, um, which is like it's an interesting thing because I know I know that some people are running bigger drops now in like rippers and stuff like that and RPMs and whatever. And although that will give you that will potentially give you like a softer landing because you'll you'll go into the water easier. What I'm really scared of is like the low volume stern and then the veil landing on it and boofing you. So yeah. I I think I think modern day rocker for sure played played a part in that impact. Yo guys, I'm I'm sorry to uh, I'm sorry to drop out here, man. I gotta I got to uh, I gotta run, but man, it's been a pleasure to be a part of this conversation, man. Much love to all you guys and everybody out there. And, um, man, I just think that discussions like this are hugely important, man, in um, in the continued evolution of, you know, of keeping us safe doing our various disciplines of kayaking, man. So keep having an amazing conversation, you guys. And, um, yeah, hope to catch you all soon. Thanks, cool. Tyler. Travel safe, man. Safe travels. Thank you. So let's get a little bit more into your email here, Brand. So there's a line that says uh, um, with John's statement that he insulted his level of intelligence and kayaking knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Look, can you expand on that just a little bit here? Because this is really what I want to hear. expand. <laughs> for, for anybody listening, let's the quickest the way to this... get on the hammer factor is to tell us why we're wrong. <laughs> Which we're 100% open to. Which we love it. Like, you know. <laughs> Nothing's better than being called out. That's, that's what I said on the email, man. You know, like, I look at you guys, I have massive amounts of respect, and I know I know that well just playing devil's advocate in the, in, the, um, in the last one, which caused that email. But for me, I mean, like, you know, John's, John's not, a, he's not a, you know, he's an intelligent dude, you know, and, and he's got a lot of knowledge about kayaking. And so when he was like, when he was trying to discredit the amount of technique and knowledge it takes to run a hundred foot waterfall, I was like, come on, dude, you, you know better than that. You know, I, I was like shouting at the laptop. And then in like his next line, he's like, well, yeah, there's obviously technique on a 60 or a 70 footer, but maybe not on a hundred. And I was like, dude, you just killed your own argument. I'm like if I could fly to Pennsylvania right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, yeah, I mean, I think the point, I, I was definitely representing what I, I know a lot of people out there were thinking, is that this is a yeah. stunt. You're getting into the put a guy in a barrel, push him over the falls type arena. Yeah, um, push, dude. And I, so, I, I just like, dude, like, you know, like, don't don't insult yourself, man. There's a lot of smarts <laughs> and, and a whole lot of knowledge about kayaking in there, you know? <laughs> so what's, I mean, yeah, but the, the question, I mean, the thing, the, the thing was, is that, you know, the, the line that killed you said, was that you said you had a perfect line and then the result was completely unexpected. Well, that's, 
that's how I mean there's we we participate in a sport with such a dynamic environment and there's so many variables just like T-Brat was saying you know and so for me I'm like it's I don't want to call it a crash because when I've been injured from kayaking before there's been a moment and I'm like oh my god Bren you idiot we shouldn't have done this we won't be in all this pain right now you know and I can relive the moment that the error that caused the pain whereas when I watched Whereas when I watched the footage back, I was like, do you know what? That is ex- almost exactly what I would have wanted to have done. And I'm like pretty happy with how I kayaked that day, you know? But then I, I also, it took me a second to understand it. But like my my thing is that there's, there's variables and Lewis will get this for sure when he's doing lots of little white laps and stuff. Is like sometimes you land just as you've always landed, but that boil explodes and it hurts a little bit, you know? And that's part of the game, you know? And I, I always, when I'm running big waterfalls, I'm always at the top trying to like zen out and time it. Like I always knew that there's potential for the boil at the base to be, uh, to act like it did on this particular descent. And I'm always, I'm always trying to like zen out and time it and try and land right as that boil is like, I imagine it as the boil like decreasing, you know? So it's obviously like exploding, forming, decreasing, all of that. And I just want to land as it's like dissipating and I get the softest landing I can, which I feel has happened randomly sometimes. Just in this case, it, it happened the wrong way around. What do you think? Yeah, I think something. I so, think something we're kind of like I just kind of been thinking about in this conversation is like the idea of like I think like in mountaineering they talk about like objective risks, which are sort of risks that you can't control, like the risk that there's going to be you know an avalanche above you or some kind of ice fall or something like that. And I think that it's not something that we think about as much in kayaking because I think that we all rightly or wrongly sort of tell ourselves this story that if we do everything right we're going to get the result we want and i think that was sort of what was we were kind of circling around with that conversation about what happened to you on alexandra was what does it mean when you do everything right and you don't get the result you want does that mean that this has become a game of rolling the dice and not a game of it was like that was the piece like it's easy for us to sort of write off you know it's because we recognize that there's so much skill in what you're doing and when there's you know when you do everything right and don't get the result you want does that mean that there's something sort of flawed in the in the whole kind of enterprise there or is there something that's changed there because what like we all want to believe is that you do it right you get the right result you know well, I think, you know, so say, say you're just talking about class five white water, like difficult class five white water um, and put a hundred foot waterfall into that. You know, if you run a, a really hard class five white water and you make a small mistake, you know, if you're hundred percent online, you know, we all know there's, there's the variables are too great to get your boat exactly online every single time down that rapid. But on a standard class five rapid, even a big class five rapid, when you go a little offline, maybe you take a swim or you know, you get pushed deep in a hole or a bad surf and, you know, it's not thing that's super remarkable. But when that exact same situation happens on a hunter for waterfall, you know, you can break your face or break your leg, you know, the, the consequences are the same and the risk is the same. It's just that uh, the, the punishment is much, much worse, you know. It, it depends on the rapid and the waterfall that you compare, though. Like, for me, I feel like, you know, my whole analogy for this is that you know, crossing a street, you know that people get hit by cars, but you, it, it's it's a low risk and you wouldn't be scared to cross the street. But 
I feel like I opened myself up a little bit towards this this impact and this injury because, as I said earlier, what I'm most scared of is going behind the falls and getting swept into a cave or something like that. And so my waterfall technique, I'm always trying to land with my nose just just a tiny little bit up from vertical. And I think if I was on the other side of things and I was just a little bit past vertical, which is not as stylish and, and would lead to other risks, like going behind the falls or getting swept into a cave, I think it would have been a much softer impact. And so... For me, it, it bears a little bit of consideration, you know, of how I'm going to run waterfalls and what what an what an ideal line is to me, you know. But my my side of things, I've always been erring on the side of more stylish and less chance of going behind it or or getting swept somewhere else. And so I think if my nose was like five degrees more vertical, I think I would have penciled in more, and I wouldn't have taken the hit that I wanted that I did take, you know. So it's just it just bears some 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 like thinking about that now i hear yeah, you. yeah i guess that's sort of like the answer that we we're looking for you know it's like in a way it's like i guess it's like when the yeah. answer is like i had a perfect line and something horrible happened then it becomes it's like we don't want to be puzzled it's like we want to maintain the belief yeah. that it's like solvable you know uh, i mean i wouldn't say i was like I definitely wasn't like pushing it as far as waterfall technique came, but I was being, in my eyes, maybe a little, maybe I wouldn't even say cheeky, just just like you know, it'd be like someone climbing a mountain when there'd been like a warning of like an avalanche or something. So like you knew it could happen, but it probably wouldn't, and they went anyway, and then it did happen, and then they're like, oh boy, you know, like the the technique on that day was perfect. Just other factors came into play. So that's that's my analogy, but you know, it's it's like. There's so much force and so much speed behind there, and sometimes you get so incredibly lucky and you hit, and it doesn't feel like anything, you know. And those those lines are amazing, and I've taken a couple of other big hits, but this was just something else. Yeah. So, what do you think happened? Like, I was looking at some of the video, and it was like the back of your boat was crushed in, and I mean, you think your boat like folded on impact, or I'm just. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen the boat to be able to like talk about that, but I mean. Yeah, I think I think I think there's probably a slight fold fold in it or something. I don't I don't fully understand. I'd have to I'd have to have a look at it. But like I say, like I think my nose hit the boil. The boil pushed the nose up, and then the curtain of the waterfall pushed the stern down. And so I think the whole boat like <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of like V shape. That's yeah, yeah. that's my that's my idea anyway. I'd have to go and see it. I don't know, man. I just know that I've ran like take Tomata falls for an example i've ran that when i didn't think i had the best line maybe wasn't penciled enough and it was soft as can be and i've went off that thing and thought i stuck it the whole way down and it knocked the shit out of me so i'm like i just think there's like a i don't know i think there's some sort of i'm not sure the or the classic oregon tuck is the way i don't know i i mean for me i think the, the problem's already been solved you know it's like you have a lot of speed if you lose that speed quickly then the hit is going to be tremendous but if you can lose the speed as gradually as possible then the hit will be will be way less and you know people have pioneered that you know like tyler all of those guys even people before him have pioneered that technique and and for me the difference between boofing something and penciling something is tremendous like i feel like sometimes you can boof big stuff and you can land on the back side of a boil or as a boil is dissipating and you can get you can get lucky but you know like i would i would never commit to boofing tomato two because i tomato one sorry because when even when i've boofed like 
smaller stuff it's hurt a lot whereas if i just plug it then most of the time it doesn't hurt does that make sense yeah yeah i'm not talking about boofing in particular i'm just talking about like just a different i don't know i don't don't know i feel like there may be like just a different way to enter the water if you're not you know i don't know food maybe maybe there's, there's always potential for technique development and everything and i think I, you know, I definitely want to do some experimenting and play play around with stuff in the future. But I think I think for me, I I don't know. I guess it, I guess it requires a bit of a perspective change in everything. But you know, like my main thing is I want to land vertical so the boat goes through the water and slows down as gradually as possible. And I want to have my front my face as far forwards as I can so that if I were to impact really hard, then I would have less time for my head to get up to speed. Does that make sense? Rather than if you were leaning back on the back of your boat and you'd have the full movement from like back of the boat to front of the boat. I think you'd be more likely to smack like your forehead, something like that. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great, Bryn. Man, I, 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 I don't know. Don't think any of yeah, us here aren't I, Bryn Orton fans, just so you know. Hey, no stress on my end. I'm, I'm not, I'm not softy. You guys can say what you want. <laughs> I appreciate what, the honesty as always. What advice do you have for the the kids out there listening who are ready to go ten feet higher? Man, I, I mean, my my biggest advice to all the kids is always just like, have fun, be safe. You know, like, do the best way to progress is doing hard moves on easy white water. You know. And for me, there's a, there's, a, there's a huge, massive difference between what people run and what they tell you about and how they run it, you know, and what I see and what other people see. And so for me, it's spend your time on easy whitewater and trying to come up with hard moves and be inventive on, on easy whitewater that is safe. And when you do step it up, the idea is that because you've been practicing on this easy whitewater and doing hard stuff that you just, you just mesh in there, you know, there's no like big jump of like, oh my God this is class five. This is terrifying. You know, you just, you just fit in there and you belong, which that's, that's my best advice. And, and, uh, yeah, just have fun with your friends and don't, don't worry about sponsorship. Just, just go kayaking. (laughs) That's right. Don't worry about sponsorship. (laughs) I like that advice. (laughs) And I mean, do you think there's a similar approach to be taken with like regard to developing skills, running waterfalls? For sure. I mean, like, for myself, there's, like, three main skill sets that I use, which is the booth, the booth stomp, and the uh, and the tuck. And, you know, obviously the 45 is in there with the booth stomp. But, you know, like, it's play around with your techniques, practice somewhere that is safe, always set safety, and just, just be aware of that, that like, a, no waterfall is safe, but there are safer ones, you know? And be aware of all the risks, you know, like some waterfalls land onto rocks. Some of them are really deep. Some of them have caves. Some of them don't have that bad of a cave behind them, you know, and, and some of them, some of them are tall enough that you probably don't want to practice off them and do 20 lines a day. Well, I mean, you had safety crew down there. They did a good job and it was sort of a worst case scenario. So I just think it's a good discussion because it's just like, it's so, uh, seeing a waterfall and paddling a waterfall and scouting a waterfall is just like super engrossing, you know, it just kind of sucks you in. So 
I mean, this won't be the last discussion people have about running waterfalls, yeah, that's for sure. Like, yeah, man, I love it. I think I think it'd be cool to do this again with more people, you know? Like, you know, getting the chance to speak to you boys and to you, Brad, at the same time is super cool, you know? But, you know, like, it would be epic to speak to, like, Aniol and Rush, EG, you know? Like, those guys are, like, I feel like I'm sort of, like, riding the wave they made, you know, as far as waterfall technique and composure and all of that went, you know? So I'm sure they have just unlimited insights but i think it'd be cool to do well we'll have to do that that'll be coming 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 to a hammer factor near you well boys symposium. boys do you have anything else for bren before we let him should go should we ask some of these questions we got from listeners well ah. like garrett quinn's question yeah let's do it let's do it let's do it you want to go Our on friend. that one yeah garrett garrett quinn asks a couple of things but one of the questions is who has run the most hundred foot drops dude in, in my eyes that's a toss-up between tyler bratt and aniel sarasol says with evan garcia being closely behind them in my eyes from just from what what i'm picking up on my brain right now i would say t bratt or aniel you don't think right. da- you don't think dane's in there Ooh, yeah dana oh man that's tricky <laughs> That is tricky. Dude, I, I would say between those four, I would say that it's either Tibra, Aniel, Dane, or Evan. Maybe in that order, I don't know, but they're all up there. They've all got some mad, epic descents on huge waterfalls. All right, Chris Grotmans, he wrote in. Uh, he's concerned about your head and head injuries and uh, repeated blows to the head. Do you think this is a thing or no? Uh, You could throw in back injuries as well. I mean, I think Tyler's going to have some back problems down the road if he doesn't already have them. Is this something you're concerned about? Absolutely. And, you know, I have mad respect to Chris Grapman's epic character, cool dude. Um, And it's it's like a whole new world to me, you know? And so it's another another piece of the puzzle to understand. And, uh, you know, like hitting my head was always a, a more minor concern when running waterfalls because I was confident that, as long as I landed vertical, it wouldn't happen, and I'd be okay. But that that sort of flipped on this descent, and because of because of that and the injury I sustained, I learned a lot more about concussions. And I reached out to my friends back home who are rugby players or who are MMA fighters and boxers and have dealt with head injuries and stuff like that. And it is a really complex, really really scary world, and it's it's definitely something that I'm I'm scared of, especially after I was listening to a cast about how jet skiers now are suffering from brain brain damage from just bouncing from their head going up and down and i think back to all the waves i've surfed and, and stuff like that and i'm like oh, that was before the jet skiing i think you need to go a little bit deeper on that stuff <laughs> yeah the email from chris was really good basically it was he had some good information in there and he's basically saying that you know brain injuries are nothing to play with yeah i mean at some yeah, level man, I mean, it becomes an impact sport yeah, I absolutely, man. And, you know, like I think, you know, I have the, the boys were all really concerned and all of my close friends were because they've seen me just just muscle up through injuries, you know, like they've seen me kayak on broken ribs and they've seen me tape my broken hand to a paddle and all of that stuff, you know, and everyone's worried about me. But I'm I'm for sure taking all of the advice from everyone that's been kind enough to give it. And, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take it easy and do some other stuff and I'm going to avoid hit. Hitting my head, hopefully forever, but at least for at least for the rest of this winter now. Uh, but it's it's cool, man. You know, 
I think uh, I think there's it's been an amazing couple of years pushing hard on the creeks and the waterfalls, but there's also been a bunch of stuff I've wanted to do in England and other things which are not quite as big or as hard or as uh, as quite as capturing to watch. But I think it's going to be super fun. So I, I agree with Chris 100%. Don't mess with brain injuries; they're scary, and uh, I'm going to take it easy for sure. I will I will say I think I got. I think I got lucky on my book. I know people that have struggled way more with concussions. I, I, for me, it was it was a rough couple of days, and then I was fine, just back to normal. So I feel like I got lucky. Well, you look good. I mean, and that, <laughs> dude, and that, I was expecting you That's to come awesome. on. The, I was expecting you to come on the Skype, dude, and just be all black and blue, and you know, like a full body cast. <laughs> you know? Dude, I, I, looked, I looked real tough that first week. You know, I, I looked. I think like I knew how to fight <laughs> or didn't know how to fight. I don't know. <laughs> well, very good, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. That was some really good insight. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, and, thanks, uh, dude. Where are you? Dude, I'm uh, I'm in Beechburg, Ontario. I'm like hanging around the Ottawa with my friends, but sort of in my, my mate's spare room right now, which is pretty sick. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, thanks. Thanks again, guys. I hope you have awesome summers. I hope you're getting out on the water lots and, and hanging out with cool people. And, uh, yeah, are you guys doing more of a show now, or is this the end? Uh, we've got some listener mail and a few other things to go over, but we're pretty close. You want to stick yeah. around for the rest of the show? <laughs> yeah. Nate, I'm, I'm, slight, I'm slightly busy. I will have to run, but I would love to. I would have loved to. Thanks for the offer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot, guys. Great talking to you. You guys rock. Have an awesome summer. See you, awesome. Brent. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Later, I don't know. I think I learned something. I, I, you know, I, I just think that there's technique and there's gear and there's things that can make that more consistent. That's. that's I think. I think Tyler. The thing that Tyler said about the Nomad and the volume of that boat, I think, resonated with me a lot. I mean, why not? Paddle, why not paddle an S six down that thing, right? I don't know. I think I'm, what Brian was saying is that his concern is losing the stern into the curtain and yeah. landing flat, you know. But I think a smaller, you a smaller Hunter, boat with less rocker would make sense. I mean, I know I'm. I do not like how hard that OG lands. Like, I'm scared of that thing on Spirit for sure. Like do you think there's a, wider, do you think there's like boats. a limit at which like I feel like there's a there's a, there's a number at which many expert whitewater kayakers are just like no I'm not that's not part of my sport like 70 feet above 70 feet they're just uh, they're done is that just me or is that like a thing I'm not like in the game anymore but there, that was definitely a thing for me I mean I ran a 40 that was fine I ran a 50 a 60 a 70 and an 80 and I was like okay I'm done that's it <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I don't know you guys want to move to Larry Boothby's email here because I think this is kind of interesting and I can it was interesting in a weird way Larry Boothby wrote in and he uh, he sent us an article about about uh, the uh, you know, people basically it was an article I think written in the '60s uh, about people jumping off of bridges and the mortality rate uh, thereof. <laughs> he, it cites uh, two bridges in Australia, one in Sydney and another one uh, somewhere else in Australia. But basically, the, the message is: is when you jump off a bridge that's over about 110 feet tall, the mortality rate is 50 percent, 50 percent chance of dying. 
And it goes on to describe in kind of very cold analytical detail, like people's livers exploding like water balloons and <laughs> their eyeballs popping out and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much so, what... a fun read. I, we should definitely put it on the show notes for people to. Yeah, I thought it was um, interesting, though. It also talked about how, you know, he has this data of people jumping off these bridges all the way up to Golden Gate, all these mortality rates, injuries, breaks it all down, categorizes it. But then he does throw in there about the high divers that have regularly jumped at least over 50 times with no injuries over 40 meters. Right. So, it's a deceleration that, that is the thing. Exactly. And I suspect the people falling off these bridges are, are in some, you know, state of despair. <laughs> Not really worried about a clean injury. <laughs> but long story short, or point being that technique and you know, and maybe that, you know, that technique of the diver is making it more consistent where he can jump off that high 50 out of 50 times. Maybe there's something that can change with Whitewater. I don't know. I'm stuck on that point. I just need to leave it. Um, We'll put that in the show notes. Do we go on some listener mail here, guys? Where are we at? We're at an hour and 10 minutes. How much more of this do we want to do? We've got some good listener mail. Um, can, I get a, can I get a shout out to... Um... Gail Jan, real quick. Who's that? Gail Jan wrote in a while ago, asked about earplugs, follow-up from Dr. Hessler's. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Go, Take it away. I wrote the good doctor, and I said, what, you know, our listeners want to know what earplugs to get. And he wrote back. He basically said the cheapest one you can get is probably fine. Um, and the ones he listed were Heroes, Docs, Pro Plugs, Hydro Seals, Surf Ear, Max, and Blue Tack. And all of which we can put these in the show notes, but um, he didn't seem to, he he seemed to think it didn't really matter. The only thing the only consideration to take is how much uh, do you want your hearing affected while you're wearing these things. So we yeah. we have a video that came in from Will Jones. I guess there was a Hammer Factor Fest. Hmm. I did I didn't know this. Um, did we get a check, or how did that how did that work out financially? Uh, I'm not sure, but it's got a Hammer Factor Fest, and I guess a bunch of people took inflatable unicorns down Hammer Factor on the green, and we've got some video, so I'll put that in the show notes. Did we get T-shirts? We should at least get T-shirts, right? <sighs> Something. How did you get the Achieving Earl shirt, and I don't have one? Do you have an Achieving Earl shirt, Lewis? No. <clears throat> yeah, so... It really is a weldism, though. Badfish Mike approached me at the paddle sports show and uh, presented me the shirt very ceremoniously. Then I went over and looked at his booth. I have to say, I, I almost I almost hate saying this, but I was it was pretty cool what he's doing. What do you mean? You know, I just he, he's making. I mean, they make surfboards essentially, which is I find to be interesting just from my boat building career, but also how they make the inflatables and I don't know. <clears throat> it's cool. He's legit. I mean, Badfish is legit. I I know you know the reputation we have for SUP, but they're they're the real deal. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Sell out. Um, <laughs> Listen, am I getting am I getting an SUP anytime soon? <laughs> You've already got a bunch of SUPs. What are you talking about? I do. Yeah, that's what the word on the street sure. is. I see pictures. Sure. People yes. people text me pictures all the time of you paddleboarding. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> 
Um, Kevin Heiner says, Hi, John. I met Lewis Geltman when we testified to Congress last year, and I've listened to The Hammer Factor ever since. Great show. I always mean to write into you guys, but then life gets in the way. Like my friend Adam said, Hammer Factor is the best thing going these days for kayaking. Keep it up. Do you know this, Kevin? Lewis? Uh, yeah. I know Kevin. Met him in D.C. Okay. There hmm. we go. It's Ranger Boner. Good man. Um, here's one that really does need some answering. Um, this comes from Brain Hase. Brain, That's a made-up name. Brain. I mean, you'd, you'd hope it is. Um, That's a fake name. Brain says. We've had a couple of fake names. And that's one of them. Brain says, "Hey guys, love your show. Here's my question: What constitutes a manky river? Shallow, rocky, and so forth." I'm not a native speaker, so something might have been lost somewhere in transa- in transition in translation. Have a good one, Hammer Factor. I'll, I'll restrain myself from making a Middle Kings joke. Oh Jesus! <laughs> a Manky River is where it looks like it got formed like three hours ago. Like, it's like where there are sharp rocks pointing the wrong way in fucked up places. There's no good yeah. line. It, right. You're invariably gonna have your travels disrupted by sharp unpleasant rocks like if you went right now to the little white and took a picture of getting busy that could define mank probably true so i mankey's shout mankey's jab at the gorge by the way is that what i'm hearing dude i gotta stand my grounds here mankey to me has nothing so much to do with uh the depth of the water and more about the shape of the rock and the channels i think that's right yeah. So, I mean, is the North Fork is that manky? Yes, one hundred percent. Until it gets to a certain level when it cleans up. But like, if you were to go to the North Fork at a thousand CFS, I don't think anybody would argue that that's not manky. Right. Lewis. No, I'm with you. Um, I think we answered that. Okay, this comes at us from Jack Embray McDonald. Greetings from Norway. Just wanted to let you know that your show is epic and that your paddle um, epidemic is spreading over here. A few of us have now got the correct offset and are paddling like elite slalom paddlers. We do, though, have to place a special order to get hands on one since the norm for Norway is 15 or 30 degrees. Have you guys YouTubed Jackson Kayak Sucks? Probably the funniest related video out there. (laughs) Right. I'm like, Norway just found a 10-year-old video. Of, uh, that's his name calling out Jackson. Mamba Mitch. Cheers, <laughs> cheers from Fosdarla Praget. That's I guess, their crew. I guess that's their gang. Yeah, it's a thing here too. So we need a Fosdar Praget t-shirt for the hammer fight. Yes. That, would that, be, that, would that be email funny. made me happy. <laughs> I like that one too. Um Good on you, Norway. Good on you. One last email here before we get into some rants and raves um, because we are way over time, as always. I think I found a good spot for that. This comes at us from uh, Will Jones. I think I found a good spot for that hot dog stand Lewis wished for at Spirit. Wonder why we don't see more food trucks hitting up the takeouts of most popular runs on the weekends. Untapped market or bad business plan? What is everyone's favorite after-river food? Taco stand on the green is pretty good, but it, it would be even better if they brought a truck to the takeout. What do you guys think? Do we need food trucks at the takeout? No. I'm not into that either. 
I don't know. If there's a million people there already, you might as well. Uh, that's, not the, that's not the wilderness experience I'm looking for. Yeah, but if it's a wilderness experience, there's not going to be a, the market for the food truck. But if you were like, if you got up to the field at Golly Fest and there was somebody up there slinging burritos, you wouldn't be stoked to avail yourself of that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems unrelated to me. I don't know. I'm a sucker for a good food truck. Grace, where do you weigh on this? I don't know. I'd rather have like a beer truck. That's just me. Yeah, like when we used to take out of the cheat back in the day, there was a guy, uh, I can't remember his name, used to have a pickup truck. You'd pay him a couple dollars and he'd take you up the hill on the uh, out of Jenkinsburg in the back of the pickup truck. Glenn Miller. Glenn Miller, yeah. And he'd have like a like a cardboard box full of tall boys, right? And it'd be like January. And you'd be snow on the ground or something. That's that's as far as I'd want to take it. How about like the ladies at the church in Swiss who used to sell hot dogs? You remember that? You'd like get to the takeout of the lower golly and there's like the ladies down there selling like chili cheese dogs. I remember that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Maybe it's the food truck that just seems a little too pretentious to me. It's food in a truck, man. Now why? Know, just, now why is a hipster? A, why is a, a food truck is hipster? I know you're you're gonna because you're gonna be on the river and then they're gonna take out and be some guy making like Korean tacos or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a bit much, right? I mean, hot dogs and Swiss. Uh, that's that's okay. Dude, I want to get one of those bad fish river surfers for golly. I have to say, they had a video of a guy surfing a wave on one of these little dinky SUP boards. And uh, I, I'm not seen as a sport, but I may want to try that. Dude, I think it would be so cool just to paddle your boat, like just do a marathon and hit all the good spots. I don't know. I think it's <laughs> the look of disgust on Lewis's face is. <laughs> I'm like sort of with with Weld that there's something compelling about surfing waves. Like the downriver travel on the SUP to me is just like your that makes the no baby sense. giraffe on roller skates. And I watch these guys. <laughs> Surf at Golly Fest, uh, or not Golly, on the lower Golly, whatever the diagonal ledge is, or whatever. And I mean, after five minutes, it looked stultifyingly boring. I mean, I mean, I could see hopping out, doing it for a few minutes, and then moving on. But these guys were there for hours, and that that was that was mystifying to me. Well, we're off the rails. Uh, it's time for rants and raves, everyone's favorite part of the show here. Who's going to close us down with the first rant or rave? I'm going to rave about West Coast mountain biking. Well, you better because that because, looks like it's all you got right now. Because <laughs> I was like mountain biking and I had like layers that were working and I was hydrating and it was like a real bike experience because we don't really have that back, back where I'm from. It's usually uh, – What do you mean? I mean, mountain biking in West Virginia is very rustic. Let's just put it that way. Imagine very steep hills, like 25% grade, grapefruit-sized boulders everywhere that are moist. It's probably raining or about to rain or it's, it has been raining all day. <laughs> like a flowy trail usually means you're like riding in a riverbed itself. Or like, uh, there's a pit bull chasing you with a chain still around its neck at some point and or like a triaxial culture nothing's really going your way you know what i mean it's not like and you could 
bring all the food and whatever and hide whatever you want. Or like, it's, you're going to be soaking wet and, and it's going to be 100% humidity or it's going to be freezing cold, one or the other. But out here, it's like, huh, this is what all this is what everyone's talking about with the mountain biking. I get it. Man, where do you get out of the gorge? It's like I feel like that was how I felt when I finally left here and went to BC. It was just a whole other level. It gets so much better, man. Well, there we go. Great. I, I'm here and, and Geltman's like poo-pooing the trails saying it's all dusty and crappy. I'm like, what are you? <laughs> this is great. I feel like we get so spoiled out here for every every sport. It's conditions. You become a snob pretty quickly. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going to rant about the low water blues. I just want to go kayaking so badly. I'm just like listening to Tyler and Bren talk. And I'm just like, man, I, I want to go run a waterfall. I don't want to go run a hundred foot waterfall, but I want to go run a waterfall. <laughs> and like the Bren, it's just like, it's like, ah, oh, he's got hurt. So he's got time to like move on. And it's like, ah, oh, we're now like off to, off to the Ottawa to recuperate man i just want to go kayaking like so badly this time of year oh man i'm just like i feel very parched hmm. well oh man one thing i want to add so i in our uh, five questions in 30 seconds last week i called out ryan ryan stevenson at astral and said he had a dumb question and he kind of sent a rebuttal back to me about that so sorry for calling your question dumb was that the five-second rule on soup? Yeah. That's a dumb question. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hammer Factor 57. 